Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Hey, good Tuesday morning, everybody. This is VolQuest.com. I'm Eric Kane with Rob Lewis, Austin Price, and uh, Brent Hubs, appreciate you guys for being here. It's presented by Exterior Home Solutions, Tuesday and Thursday, the VolQuest podcast. If you need roofing, siding, windows, a garage, contact Exterior Home Solutions today. They have been local and trusted since 1999. And uh, up until October the 1st, you can win a free roof from Exterior Home Solutions by nominating a deserving family. That's at exteriorhomesolutions.com slash makeover. So great people over there, big UT fans. Give them a call for a free estimate at 865-524-5888 or visit them online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. All right, so Tennessee played on Saturday, 1-0, a 49-13 win over Virginia. Now kind of transitioning into the new week. Brent Hubs is going to be the home opener. Uh, not a whole lot of uh, juice to this game, if you will. Austin P. Tennessee should win by 40-plus, realistically, but still moving on, trying to improve from one week to the next, and that's kind of the focus here on, on, on Monday and Tuesday of this week. Well, there's plenty of things to clean up from week one to week two. Um, that's not coach speak. That's reality. Uh, there were some things missed offensively, and, and they've got to get back into a better rhythm in the first half. And, um, you know, you, you don't carry over last year to this year necessarily, but you, you look at the last two first halves this offense has, this offense has played, They've got nine punts on 15 possessions and a turnover on downs in 15 possessions in the first half of the last two games. So they, they got to get their first half rhythm and, and their first half mojo going, get off to a better start. They got off to a great start, just didn't back it up 
on drives two and three. But th- for me, this is all about some individual improvement this week, and this is all about young guys. And, and what do the young guys do? I mean, for, for a guy like Davin Hobbs, right, I mean, got his feet wet last week, probably got knocked around a little bit, got settled in, made a few plays. You know, where is he at in week two? Where's Arian Carter at in week two? Um, Cam Seldon, does he get more opportunities? And we can go way on down the list with a bunch of guys. But I think this is an important week to take care of your business early and then really really figure out kind of where you are with your roster, who you think can, can really help you this year with some more development, who needs more time and more seasoning, um, all those types of things you're looking at this week if I'm Tennessee and Josh Heupel. Rob, I think it's one of those situations to where, and again, you never want to underlook an opponent, but it, it is what it is. It's Austin P. Yeah, Tennessee needs to, as, as Brent just said right there, get in, take care of your business, and showcase the opportunity for Nico to get a quarter and a half, you know, um, maybe the whole second half with the first team offensive line blocking for him for a series. A chance to get a lot of tape and a chance to kind of work and sharpen some fundamentally things on special teams because we all know what's happening the week after next that's down in the swamp. Yeah, and I think it's also big for, you know, some of the transfers. I mean, guys who maybe have played some football other places but are still, you know, getting acclimated here with Dante Thornton at the top of that that list. I think all of us – I'm not saying we expected, you know, a 200-yard receiving day, but I, I think all of us expected to see him, you know, do something dynamic. And, you know, that didn't really happen in week one. I'd be surprised if he doesn't – you know, isn't, isn't a bigger factor going forward. And, uh, you know, just as, as much as they're shuffling on the offensive line right now, I think anytime you can get real live game reps, you know, with you know, different combinations and, you know, kind of look at some things and try to find some continuity up front, I, I think that's, I, I think that could be real beneficial this week, even if it is kind of a glorified scrimmage. Austin, you're not going to score every single possession. And we kind of talked about on the Rocky Top Rewind a couple of days ago. We're spoiled with this offense, you know, covering it, you know, supporting this team if you're a fan you know, whatever, um, you expect to score on every single drive, but reality is you're not going to. But what you don't want to happen is for you to score on your opening drive and then go five drives or four drives of not scoring before you, you know, sniff the red zone again. And maybe that's something that Tennessee can find, uh, work on from week one to week two, find a little bit more consistency early on in that football game. Yeah, I mean, you look around college football, I mean, you know, Georgia scores in the 40s. You know, Alabama scores just barely in the 50s. You know, Michigan scores in the 30s. Ohio State scores in the 20s. Like, I mean, it's first week. Everybody's a little rusty. Everybody's knocking the rust off. What you want to see is that growth, and 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 you know, everybody gets a little bit better, and you know, and that's across the board. So, I mean, you know, offensively, you know, you hope to see better rhythm. Coach Apple talked about that at the game. Defensively, you hope to see some of those young guys continue to blossom. You know, I mean, you'd love to see James Pierce. I'm not saying he's got to get two sacks again, but you'd love to see be see him be as disruptive as he was last week. You'd love to see as Hub said. David Hobbs continue to make plays. And then for me, I'd love to see guys like Elijah Herring, Tyree West, that group of sophomores that I've talked about all offseason, see them continue to make more and more plays. Um, you know, I, across the board, you know, I think Tennessee, you know, is trying to find its footing, much like everybody else is in college football. And so, you know, I think it's it's about just, you know, taking what you did last week, which was, I thought, really solid, not your best. But it doesn't need to be your best. Really solid and build on it. Hey, can, can I ask a can I ask a one off here in, in a little soapbox deal? Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, why, Rob? I'll start with you. Somebody. I mean, I'm being serious. Why is there the notion that 
in a blowout game, you have to play your starters the first series of the second half. I don't get where, it. Where did that come from, and and why is that? Why is this notion that they've got to they've got to figure out how to come out of the locker room with the right mindset or whatever it is in the second half when you're in a game that you, you know you, you don't think you have no chance to win? I don't know what Oklahoma did. And I'm not saying this, Rob, to give you an opportunity. To talk about okay, so that's not where I'm going here. But, I but feel free, Rob. Feel yeah, free. I, I don't. I don't know. Is that Rob Burner account that the tweet where it said how much did Butch lose by this weekend? At this point, I'm pretty sure it was. But I don't know if they played their starters to start the second half. But for but for decades, I mean, for forever, it's like, well, they got to get that one. They got to get one series in the second half. Why? I mean. I mean, does anybody really really know why that's a big deal or why people coaches think that's a thing? I don't have an answer for you at all. Because one guy did it and it worked and 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 it's a copycat deal more than like. But how do you know it worked? Like, what is it? What does it mean? That why, why, why did all of a sudden when Nick Saban sh- shut down practice access that everybody else in college football shut down? It just copy. I think everybody just copycats. Oh, they played them their first drive. Yeah, let's do it too. I've just always heard mindset. Uh, you already mentioned it. It's you know mentally coming out of the break, mentally coming out of the locker room at halftime, mentally starting football games. Uh, it's it's all mental, just kind of what I've always been told. Now, again, there's a big difference in the University of Tennessee or Alabama or whoever in, in Jefferson County, you know, the Patriots. But I, I was a part of a football team that was up 28 nothing at half and lost a game. So uh, the, the, there's some wounds that uh, I've at least experienced in that regard. I'm not saying that will happen to Tennessee, but – but, but uh, we the, didn't send anybody out there in the third quarter, and then we had to play the fourth quarter because, well, it was a football game again. Okay. I mean, maybe that's happened somewhere along the way. I, I just – I don't I, – I've always been pu- kind of puzzled by by that mindset. It, and it came to mind when you talked about Nico, you know, how much playing time would Nico potentially get this week and, and that week. And, I mean, I think Joe Milton can use reps. I, I mean, I don't think there's ever enough reps for Joe Milton. But but I think Nico needs the reps more. So what you don't I, want, Brent, you don't want another Cedric Tillman against Akron, right? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, no, you don't want to get anybody hurt. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, don't take a chance to, you know, don't don't worry about whether you got five hundred yards of offense or four hundred ninety eight yards of offense or five ninety eight instead of six hundred. The stat stuff in this deal doesn't matter. You got to think big picture here, and, and I think big picture is you got to get Nico as many reps as you can get. I'm not saying Joe can't get better. And I'm not saying Joe is what Joe is, but Joe's also played four years of college football. You know, I, I mean, so and he's been in this offense three years. I, I think reps for Nico are more important. So I would get the the first opportunity when I felt like I could get Nico reps, whether that was second quarter, opening this the second half, whenever that was, I, I would get him on the field and let him play the game of football and, and let it and don't don't play him two series, three series, and put in Gaston Moore and go there. I mean. Let Nico play to get him as seasoned and as comfortable with the speed of the game in this offense and the tempo that you play with as you can get because you just don't know, right? I I agree with you. And here's what I'm going to take that step further, and I think you're going to agree with me. I think it's important to let Nico play with Dante Thornton, with Brew McCoy, with – you know, if you could get a a 35 or 42-0 lead halfway through the second quarter – Put him in there in the back part of the second quarter with some of the some of your real guys and let him actually throw to your starters or your or your at least your guys that are your first in off the bench. Like sometimes you know he's in down there and, it, and it's like third and fourth stringers and it's like you know that's fine. But like you know I think it's important to get him work with you know you know 
those guys that, you know, matter. If if something happened to Joe and he couldn't play for a series or, or a game or whatever, you know, you'd love to have Nico have as much rapport with some of those older guys as you can. And I think that starts with, you know, doing that in the back half of the second quarter. See, now you're – now you're just trying to stir up a quarterback controversy. No, not at all. I, I agree, Trevor. I, 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 I mean, but no, no, I'm not at all. I just think that I know you're not, but that's the side in there. No, I get it. I mean, there's already threads on the general's quarters and all that. I mean, I get There's nothing you can do about that. Fans are fans. Like, you know, I mean, fans love it. They got the loudest ovation Saturday in Nissan Stadium. They were in the completion hubs and they started chanting, Nico, like it was a movie. I mean, we were in the press box and it was loud. I mean, can you imagine what it was? Because it's enclosed. I mean, I can only imagine what it was like out in the stands. I mean, you know, so, I mean, I get it. I mean, but, but I, but I, I do get need real work with real guys, not just work with, you know, the third and fourth stringers. Yeah, I know I get your point, and I, and I understand. And then that's my point is, like, get, get those guys in there as much as you can get those guys in there. And, and I'm, I'm good with mixing and matching. Eric, I thought they did a decent job on Saturday of mixing on defense – mixing and matching some young guys with some veterans, right? You, you got you got Herring in there and, and you've got Beasley in there. You got you got Arian Carter in there and you've got B I mean, you you know, you, you mixed and matched some guys. You played young corners and star position and veteran safeties and you play off one veteran safety on the field and played a young safety in the Brooks kid early in the you know in the first half. I thought they did a pretty nice job of mixing that in instead of just saying, hey, let's wait till we have the big lead and we're just going to wholesale change and, you know, whatever happens, happens. I, I liked what they did on defense and, and the way that they mixed and matched that. I'd be curious to see if they do it earlier in this game uh, and if they do some of that on offense this week as well. And I was going to say, you know, say you have a, a huge lead, um, which you better <laughs> by the halftime break. Coming out of halftime, you know, quote-unquote, the first group can go, but – there are some guys that like you can mix and match it. Like Joe Milton does not need to step foot on the football field in the second half. Like that just shouldn't happen. He probably will, but that just shouldn't happen. But say you have uh, a Dane Davis at center with Nico, take Javante Spragans out, but play, you know, Jackson Lampley and, and Addison Nichols or, or whoever. And then, you know, keep Gerald Mincy in there. Um, you know, maybe keep Crawford on the other side, you know, just kind of mix and match some of those, but get some of your key guys like McCoy, um, and Keaton out of there, put Nimrod and Webb out there. So it can be your quote-unquote first-team offense, but you're kind of mixing them. That's how I would handle it because, again, I, I, you know Cedric Tillman you know, gets hurt against Akron, and I believe it was the second half last year. I can't remember, but that's just what you don't want to have. It worked out well for Tennessee because Ramel Keaton stepped up in a big way, but if you would have told us heading into that game, that Akron game, that Cedric Tillman was going to get hurt and he'll play four more games the rest of the year, you'd think it's a disaster. Yeah, I mean, I just I think you have to be really cautious of that, you know, um, and you have to be mindful. You can't you can't play scared, Rob. Right? You can't play in fear of injury the whole time. I, I'm not a believer in that, but you also don't need to be goofy about it too. Like when it's over and you get a guy out, get a guy out for good reason. Uh, one, you want to protect those guys, and B, it's an opportunity for for young guys to to get more experience and to get more quality reps because as Tim Banks said on ball calls Wednesday night, you don't want their first time being their first time, you know, in, in a critical situation. So as much as you can get them, I think you get them. I'll be curious to see, Rob, I want to get your take on this. All this mixing and matching on the offensive line. Any chance you put Dane Davis and Ollie Lane together in, in the offensive interior, you know, and, and play one of those guys at guard and, and one at center just to see what that looks like? Or do you think this is more about, 
finding your seven and kind of whittling down, you know, whatever rotation you're going to have and, and be done with that. How do you how do you play that if you're Glenn Ellerby? I think I, I look at a lot of stuff. I mean, this Saturday against Austin P, I would certainly you know assume. I mean, do we think Cooper's going to play? I mean, it sounds like you know probably not. I, I would yeah. guess. I mean, Heupel didn't even get asked about it on Monday. Um, so I, I would certainly play Ollie and, and, and Dane there at the same time and look, you know, just to see, to see what you've got. And, you know, no pressure situation in this game. And I thought, you know, I didn't study every single rep minutely, but, you know, noticing when Dane was in there, I, I thought he did a decent job at center. You know, I didn't notice any any awful bust. So I, I would look at a, at a lot of stuff. Uh, I would I'd be I, I would think they at least what they play eight guy. I mean, like really like seriously, when, you know, when the game was. Not necessarily in doubt, but you know, eight guys like got legit reps before they just wholesale subbed. I would, I'd say they play those same guys at, at at least as much again, and and specifically, yeah, I could see them playing Ollie and Davis together. Josh Heupel was asked about that Monday about the performance of the offensive line with the rotation, and then specifically the center position with Ollie Lane and Dane Davis coming over, snapping the football, whereas he hadn't done that. Uh, first time he ever did that was just a couple weeks ago when Cooper went down. Here's what Josh Heupel said about all that and the offensive line for Monday. Um, for the moving parts that we had, the different guys that played at center, uh, the communication, getting all five guys on the same page as far as where our targets were that can be in the run game and in the pass protections, uh, they did a really solid job. There's some things that all five and really all the guys that played, you know, I mean, you're looking at eight guys that played a ton of snaps, I think maybe 13 that played during the course of the ball game. There's a lot of things that they got to clean up to, um, which is anticipated as you go from week one to week two. But all in all, a really solid performance by those guys. Ali, um, smart, cares about this program, cares about his teammates. He's a great teammate. And, um, you know, this offseason continued to change his body. I, I thought he had his best offseason. Uh, that's why I think he's playing his best football right now since we've been here. And um, he's smart, you know, moving from guard to center. It's different, yeah, but he's gotten consistent reps at the center position throughout uh, our tenure here. Um, he's done a really nice job. And uh, Dane <clears throat> didn't take reps there um, until, uh, until Coop went down, um, just as we looked at things. Um, Felt like he had an opportunity. We didn't know if he'd handle it uh, well, you know, how he would respond in there. Um, he's really smart. He can communicate at a really high level. We knew that from his time at tackle. Um, it's been really pretty seamless for him uh, in the middle of it. He's done a great job and, and uh, really natural there. And Brent, that goes back to kind of rotating with a purpose maybe this week. Could we see for an extended, you know, drive two, three straight with Dane Davis at center and Ollie Lane at guard? You know, we'll see, but I think that's something that potentially they could totally around with. Yeah, I mean, I'll be curious to see if they do that or not. I mean, Tennessee played 85 snaps. Um, they had 85 offensive snaps in, in the game on Saturday. Spragans played 74. Uh, Carrick played 60. Campbell, 59. Crawford, 57. Ollie Lane played 48. Mincy played 39. And Dane Davis played 27. Then Jackson Lampley came in at, at 22. It's a lot of snaps for Spragans. I didn't realize he played that many. Um, I would get him some rest for sure. And, again, I think that this is kind of your final time to mix and match, right? I mean, you better sort of know what your rotation is and, and kind of where you're at. I think you better take full advantage of it this week. That, that's my, my view on the offensive line, AP. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I do think there's some a little bit of wiggle room going forward. But 
you really kind of need to know where you're at heading to, to Gainesville next week. And, you know, I, I'm with you. I would get Spragans off the field. I think that he's uh, very important to what you do. Get him off there fairly quick. And uh, and then, you know, I think mix and match the rest of those guys. See, you know, you know, do you do the combination you're talking about? Does Mincy get more run at right tackle this week, um, you know, than he got last week? And he, and he got an adequate amount. So, you know, I guess, you know, for me, it's, it's just kind of continue to, I guess, you know, tinker with it a little bit and see what you can do to find your best five. Because I think that's the most important thing. Because next week, you're going probably as a double-digit favorite, and, you know, you're going to need to, you know, have your best. Uh, you're not one in 20 years. I don't care how you know, bad they're perceived to be. There will be a uh, they'll be they'll be having a chip on their shoulder because it's a must win for the Gators. For for you guys, what were you more impressed with on the offensive line? Maybe surprised, impressed, whatever. Campbell. Was it the, was it the play of the center and left guard, or was it what Tennessee got done at the tackle positions? Because I mean, listen, we've talked ad nauseum for six months about the questions that they've had there. What 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 were you more impressed with? Was it the play of Campbell, Mincy, and Crawford, or was it the combination of Life without Cooper Mays, who I said, put him in bubble wrap. You can't live without him, you know, playing without Cooper in the middle and then playing with a new left guard. Which one surprised or impressed you more? For me, it was the interior. Um, and a lot of that has to do, and, and we've said this, but we, and I understand flipping from one side to the, to the other is not super, super easy. But, I mean, we've seen these guys play, Mincy and Campbell. We at least know what they can do. And everything we heard <laughs> throughout fall camp and spring, it's like, Left tackle, we're good. Left tackle, we're good. You know, John Campbell still had to learn and everything, but it was like, you know, John Campbell's not a question mark. So, for me, it was the interior. And it was one game. And I recognize Virginia's not, you know, overly great. But uh, it looked like the tempo was good. Didn't have a, a whole lot of procedural penalties. One, you know, was on the sideline. And um, it looked like Tennessee's offense moved at the pace that you needed it to. And, you know, you almost ran for 300 yards. So, for me, Rob, it was definitely the interior the work of both Lane and Davis at center and Carrick and Lampley and some of these other guys at guard. I, I would say the interior, but overall it would be for me, like with, with Cooper not being there and with them playing eight different guys, you know, a, a legit amount of snaps, it was the continuity and the consistent, the way they consistently consistently got push and had zero bust. And I, this is the, I, I thought the most telling stat for the offensive line, Tennessee didn't have a single negative yardage rushing play in you know, on the day. So no, no TFL. They, you know, Virginia had one sack, but uh, no TFLs in the ground game at all. And with them, again, with Cooper not being there with, with different guys at different spots, you know, Spragans was the only guy at right guard who started, you know, this season where he ended last season for the team. So for them to be that efficient and to not just you know, give up, you know, have any bust that resulted in, you know, three or four yard loss, I, I thought was, was big time for them. Brent, is that Ollie right there? Or is that a couple years ago? Uh, that's Ollie, but that's not Ollie from this year. I was going to say, I can't even tell if that's Ollie or not. That doesn't even look like him. Um, I would assume that that's Ollie. It looks like that's Ollie Lane. He has the Celtic tattoo covered up by the white. Uh, yeah. That's why we don't recognize him. You know, I, but I, again, I mean, I think those, I think those guys, for, for me, I guess I was a little more impressed with Campbell than, than, than I thought he would be. I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like they were okay at left guard. Not sure that they were good enough. I, I left that game Saturday, AP, thinking they're going to be all right at tackle. You know, and, and and maybe I should have felt that way going in, but I left there feeling much better about tackle 
Whereas I still feel like I'm not sure what they're going to look like at left guard when they get Cooper Mays back. Kind of what does that look like to me is still in flux. I'm not flux with them at tackle. John Campbell's a left tackle. They're going to split reps with Mincy and Crawford on the right side, just like they did with them on the left side last year, because that's kind of what they are. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't super worried about him at tackle. I thought there were some unknowns. Um, what would Campbell look like? He looked really good, looked better than I thought he would, and I thought he'd be fine. But, I, you know, um, again, it's one game, small sample size. It's Virginia. They're not very good. But they did what they needed to do. I still think the biggest question mark is left guard. I don't think it's close. Uh, I was never super worried about tackle because, again, as you just pointed out, you know, Crawford and Mincy, you know, they, they were the ones splitting time at left tackle a year ago. And, you know, they, they held up fine with Darnell on the other side. And then you had John Campbell in on the left side this year, and they flipped to the right. So I was never super worried about right tackle. or uh, But the left guard spot, I think, is still a touch worrisome. I, I don't buy into the whole PFF stats a whole lot because I think they don't know what the blocking assignment is a lot of times when they're doing grades. But, uh, you know, Kerry, you know, grading out at 47, even if you said, okay, that was low because they don't know what they're grading, he, he still graded out really, really low. Like, I, I think you've got to figure out what your best five is. Even, you know, with Cooper not back, I think, you know, as you pointed out a minute ago, look at all options. What did Josh Hopple have to say about Joe Milton? What did Josh Hopple have to say about his kickoffs out of bounds and about specialist D. Williams, all that and more, plus looking ahead to Austin Peep. And the home opener, that's coming up next right here on the BallQuest podcast. I want to give a quick shout-out to Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and, and leg. Uh, they do the same exact thing that Lululemon does, but the fit is way better. The fit's better because regular shorts, they come from stiff, restricting cotton, but Bird Dogs fix that issue by inventing a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches so you have a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movements. And Bird Dogs also uses an anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Versatility. That's why I like Bird Dogs. Couple pair of slacks, some shorts. Uh, you can go to cover a football game. You can go to church. You know, whatever the occasion is, you look good, you feel good, and that's all thanks to Bird Dogs. Uh, so I encourage you to go to BirdDogs.com. You see the uh, the website right there. Easy to use website if you're looking at us, if you're watching us on YouTube right now. But when you go to BirdDogs.com, enter the promo code VQ. And uh, you're going to get a free, let's check my notes here, a free Bird Dogs Hydro Flask water bottle. Again, that is a free Bird Dogs Hydro Flask water bottle if you enter the promo code VQ at BirdDogs.com. Again, BirdDogs.com, promo code VQ, and uh, you're going to get a free water bottle. So take advantage of this deal. Check out BirdDogs.com today, and uh, we promise you, you won't want to take those off. Uh, more of the Ballquest podcast coming up next. A big thanks to Exterior Home Solutions, as always. Nominate a family that you think is deserving of an exterior home makeover. A gift from your friends at Exterior Home Solutions. Welcome back into the Ballquest podcast here on this Tuesday morning. Tennessee, a 49-13 winner over Virginia. So a lot of recap of that, of course. And normally we'd be you know, running ahead, looking ahead to the weekend, and still doing that with Austin P. A lot of things to be excited about with the home opener. Uh, quickly, we can go around the room real quick. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time about it because I particularly don't care. But Rob, would you? Uh, what do you think about those Smoky Grays coming up this weekend? I'm fine with them. I don't get all bit out of shape like you know, like like some fans do. You know, I, I'll probably you know with the gun in my head would prefer the, the classics, but I, I don't. It it doesn't raise my temperature. And, and I th- I think these actually look pretty good. I, I like the orange shoulder boards quite a bit. The, these look better than what's 
in the store, in my opinion. And I think maybe it's, you know, you because you put them in shoulder pads and and everything. I, I guess I went into it. I knew they were coming. I went into it with low expectations. And so they were better than I thought. So thus, you know, I didn't think they were that bad. Um, you know, again, it's a, it's a one-off, you know, um, you know, I know what Hubs is going to say. Why, why didn't they just wear the, the ones they wore in 04 if they're going to honor Condor Challoway? Um, but yeah, I guess it's a new spin with a, a, a wrinkle of, of yesteryear. I, I don't know. I, Again, I, I'm I'm kind of indifferent to it. I don't think they're atrocious by any stretch of the imagination. They're they're good, not great. Yeah, Connor's Holloway, 51 years uh, anniversary, of course, of being the first quarterback in the SEC, black quarterback in the SEC. So that's uh, paying homage to him. Was a throwback way. alternates for the Smoky Grays. Um, what about Joe Milton, quarterback currently here for the University of Tennessee? What did he look like? What did Josh Hopple uh, think about his decision-making and his eyes? Short and sweet, but Josh Hopple did comment on Joe Milton Monday at his press conference. Joe, uh, I thought it during the course of the ball game uh, on the video, too. Uh, I thought his decision-making, where his eyes were at, uh, was really solid uh, throughout the course of the football game. I think in the first half, Brent, he had a couple of throws that obviously he'd want to have back, and Josh Hopple referenced that. He had one series uh, that was pretty bad. Um, receivers, I don't think, helped him out an awful lot. Second half, they were winning big. A lot of easy throws for him. But I thought he was overall solid, uh, room to grow, and he kind of echoed those thoughts after the game on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt. My question and the reason I asked that to Josh Heupel was I, I don't have an all-22 view when I rewatch the game, so I don't know if he missed a bunch of open guys. You know, um, that's why I was asking about the about his eyes. Was, was Look, we, we know his eyes were good on the touchdown to Dylan Sampson on the first drive because he got to his third read uh, on that play, which was really good. I just was curious to see, did he miss multiple open guys? Did he miss one? I mean, everybody's going to miss one, right? It's just like on the Nico play. Everybody's talking about he escaped the pocket, threw it back across his body. It was a really good play. And then you see the video when Dante Thornton's down there with nobody around him. Um you know, and that's I'm not criticizing Nico. He's a freshman. That's the first time. I just wonder how many plays and did Joe have many plays where he missed somebody who was, you know, running wide open, which is gonna happen. I mean, Hendren missed guys who were running wide open. It's always gonna happen. That's why I was curious to see where Josh Heupel thought his eyes were after he watched the tape, because we know Joe felt like his eyes were in pretty good shape and that, that he made good decisions in terms of where to throw the ball to. Solid start, um, plenty of room to grow, got to use this week the right week, and then all eyes will be on how he handles that trip to his home state to take on Florida. Five receptions for, I think it was about 36 yards, obviously that touchdown. Running backs active in the passing game. Rob, could this be uh, kind of an extension of Joe Milton, whereas maybe when Hendon would take off, but Joe, and Joe took off a couple of times, but, you know, set them in the pocket and took what was given to him, and that was good to see. But uh, running backs, a little active in the passing game in week one. Yeah, it was. And that's something that, you know, I've kind of always felt like would be a bigger part of, of Heifel's offense, but it, but, it, but it hasn't been. And I, I, and I hadn't thought about that, Eric, but I, I, I think you make a, a good point, or at least it's interesting to speculate, will that be, you know, how, you know, Joe kind of impacts the game, not necessarily with his legs, but in a way like, like Hendon did, to, to, get it, to get it to guys on the perimeter. And, you know, it's, I don't know, mystery is probably too strong of a word, but I think Tennessee's, you know, the backs that they've got, you know, Samson, uh, Jabari, Jalen, to me, they they have they have the skill set to where they would be, you know, valuable, you know, out, out there, you know, third down guys, um, you know, guys that you're looking for in the flat. So I'm, I've always kind of been a little surprised that they haven't been utilized more. I thought it would be more 
of an off a part of the offense. But I guess what Jamari had three catches the other day. Um, you know, Dylan had had the one touchdown. So Jalen had a couple. So I, I I would say getting it to them maybe a little bit more. And and I and I think these guys, yeah, I think they should get it to them more. I, I think all three of those guys are really good in space. Co-offensive player of the week, Joe Milton. Uh, Tyler Barron also picking up co-defensive lineman of the week, or actually defensive lineman of the week outright uh, for their performances in week one. Uh, Austin, you ask, and, and we'll we'll give it a listen and a watch here, but you ask about D. Williams. Um, maybe if he didn't fumble, he'd be special teams player of the week, but super dynamic, couple really nice returns, and also the kickoffs out of bounds. Uh, here's what Josh Hoppel had to say about his specialists from week one and, and where they can grow with the ball in his hands, but uh, he's going to continue to work at the, the corner spot and, and obviously be uh, heavily active in, in our return game. Thought he did a really nice job throughout the course of the day. I thought the way that he responded after something not going his way uh, showed uh, maturity and, and uh, actually pointed that out to the team <clears throat> after the ball game and uh, did that again uh, today. Uh, the kickoff out of bounds, you know, just fundamentally, um, just a little bit off, and uh, that's why you end up, you know, hooking in a little bit. It's kind of like your golf shot. <laughs> do you ever retort because the gq thinks that you guys hate each other no nah, they don't uh th th i don't ever retort there's no reason to retort <laughs> he, he he's getting me back for me asking him friday night at the brentwood academy game when he's watching george mcintyre who's designated to fake injuries on extra points this year <laughs> but more importantly though i mean the special teams and we, we've talked about it all week long so far you know, Brent, that, that's got to get cleaned up. You know, whether it was designed or whether it just, you know, the wind got it, whether he, he didn't hit it well, can't kick the ball out of bounds. We talked about Jackson Ross. You can't punt the ball 17 yards in the swamp. Uh, that, that third phase of the game has got to be utilized when you are a dog. Tennessee won't be a dog, but when you're on the road and it's loud and it's a place you haven't won since 03. So, you know, more than anything, one of the big things I'm looking for this weekend when it's Tennessee versus Tennessee, I mean, can you have a clean kicking game? Because you're going to need it in Florida. Well, and I'm not worried about Josh Turberville, okay? I mean, yeah. look, he kicked his first one into the end zone for a touchback. So he goes he had four, to four touchbacks, I believe. Yeah. He goes out to kick his next one, and what does he do? He tries to hit a 300-yard drive instead of hitting one in the fairway. Um, he just overcooked it, you know? And, and I think the one to start the second half, he did the same thing, uh, just trying to see if he could kick it into the stands. Um, he's got plenty of leg. The last – all you need to know is if you rewatch the last kick is he, he looked like he was hitting just a nice little knockdown and it ended up, you know, seven, eight yards into the end zone. Okay. He doesn't have to, he's got plenty of leg. My bigger concern is how's Jackson Ross going to handle a hostile crowd. Uh, but because, and I'm not picking on Jackson Ross, but the head coach noted afterwards, well, it's first time, you know, your nerves. And I'm sure he was, his nerves were foreign country, you know, for all this. Other, I mean, I get all that, but, and he's 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 been on the road. He's traveled. He's seen. He's been in you know in venues and warmed up. It's different when there's eleven guys coming your way and you got to get the job done. And you know that's my bigger concern. Do I think he's a disaster? No. Do I think he can't do it? I absolutely think he can do the job. Uh, but but kickers are unique brands, right? I mean, we saw David Leverton drop a snap at UCLA, and it took him a year to recover from it. And I'm not saying Jackson Ross has that kind of issue, but my point being, you, you want to make sure, to your point, Eric, th this this week is clean. He goes into Gainesville. He goes into Florida week feeling good about where it is and not going into uh, that week with back-to-back -back weeks where he's not punted the ball well and his nerves have got the better of him 
or whatever the case may be. He needs a little mojo, in my opinion, coming out of Neyland Stadium on Saturday to get ready to go kick on the road. Much more worried about that one than I am the kickoff guy. I'm I'm not too familiar with you know rugby style punts and all that, and I don't really think any of us are either. But Austin, even some of his better kicks, I mean, there no no hang time whatsoever. And I know you're going to give up some hang time because you're running around doing that, but it's almost like man, you, you know, your 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 coverage unit might not get down there as quick one time. You like a little bit more hang time. Well, I think ultimately, you know, you go back to the last one he kicked. I thought that was his best of the day. There was another one where he tried to, to pooch it inside the five and, and you know. It was close. Tennessee, yeah, Tennessee was barely standing on the line. Um, I thought the left footer one that he showed, which was, again, was strategic, um, you know, uh, you know, was fine. He just had those two that were just woefully, woefully bad. And, uh, you know, you hope that, the, that you kind of figure all that out. But, I mean, you're not going to have as much hang time with the rugby-style stuff. Um, that's just kind of the, you know, the, the, the nature of the beast, so to speak. And so, you know, we'll see how much they, you know, mess around with Saturday. Do they just let him do traditional punts? Um, and then, you know, rugby style. Some, I, I think some of that Saturday was by design to show a bunch of different looks. So let's see what it looks like this Saturday. Rob, anything else you are looking for in terms of improving from week one to week two and, and what is going to be this final dress rehearsal? before conference play starts just i mean it's nitpicking but just you know sharper in the passing game i mean i as hubbard said you know we don't have the all 22 we you know we don't see everything but i you know i, I think we could there were a few times where you know i think we all saw that you know there were, there were some open guys that got missed and that's going to happen I'm, I'm not meaning to be overly overly critical but uh just cleaner in the passing game and you know I, we've gotten so used to seeing huge explosive you know plays you know, and Keaton, you know, they, they certainly had one if Keaton makes the catch. But, you know, just I think it's I think this offense needs that. I mean, I think they feed off of it. I mean, I think they get a lot of juice juice from it. So, you know, you know I, I would imagine they'll drop some bombs on Austin P. But, you know, for his own confidence and just, you know, for the the mate, the personal makeup of the offense, you know, get back to hitting some of those those 40, 50 yard pass plays in this week. In a big weekend to get recruits back on campus, Chris Cole is going to be visiting officially, but uh, always a big opportunity when you could host guys to see what that game day uh, atmosphere is. And we're going to have plenty of recruiting coverage over on the site this weekend, AP. Yep. Watch 25s and 26s coming to town. And of course, the big one being Chris Cole. So uh, I look for coverage uh, heading into the weekend in the war. And I know we're not all, none of us are fans, but for recruiting purposes, the five o'clock kickoff, pretty, probably a pretty, pretty good time slot. Yeah, I mean, it allows people to get to town. Um, well, spend some time. I mean, like, yeah, well, and the fact that it's a lesser opponent allows, you know, BJ and some of the defense to really spend time with Chris Cole before this game because he's in for such a short amount of time. He's literally going to get in the car as soon as the game's done Friday night and head down to Knoxville, not get much sleep, and then be here all day long, watch the game, spend time with the staff, and then Sunday morning get up and head back and announce his commitment. So can Tennessee ride the wave? of that visit this weekend. And uh, you're right. I think whether it's 2026s or a guy like Chris Cole, the five o'clock start does help. Uh, and, and again, for a guy, specifically a guy like Chris Cole, I think being able to know that you're going to win this game rather handily, you can spend some time with, with the, with, with the particular recruit, which is Cole in this instance for the staff. And I think that's big. We got the Ball with the Beast podcast coming up on Thursday. The Mailbag podcast on Thursday. We got Matt's mini uh, recruiting pod, uh, Trail Tidbits. There we go. I couldn't remember what it was called. 
That's coming up on Wednesday. Uh, got a whole lot coming up. The Rockies have round table. It's game week, and we nobody covers Tennessee football better in season or out of season than VolQuest.com. Come join us on the Journal's Quarters. Stay tuned for all of our awesome content over at VolQuest.com. Like this video on YouTube if you're watching. Help us get this in front of more and more Tennessee fans and subscribe to the channel if you would be so kind. A big thank you to Exterior Home Solutions for being the presenting sponsor of this podcast. Uh, East Tennessee's first choice in roofing. Use the trusted and local source for exterior home renovations. That is Exterior Home Solution, 865-524-5888. And online, ExteriorHomeSolutions.com. For Brent Hubbs, Austin Price, and Rob Lewis, I'm Eric Kane. Thank you, as always, for joining us here on the VolQuest Podcast. You've been listening to the VolQuest Podcast every week here on VolQuest. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-420-47 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.